1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are locked on Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it,
0: Anything's yeah. possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day.
1: Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making this part of your daily routine, Monday through Friday. This is our Monday show. The Rain and Jays, me, John Corrales, along with Sam Jam Packard, as Jay King tries to make his way back from beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and getting stuck at a stopover. Uh, so. Good luck to Jay. Who knows if he's even going to be back by the time this podcast goes out? But Sam Jam Packard stepping in. I got to make sure I throw the jam in there. I stopped calling you Jam for a while.
0: I know but, it was, and uh, it was the reigning Jays, and I was a bit confused. I didn't know exactly yeah, what to do. So I it was the,
1: completely out of my like. I didn't intend to do that. I just started, you know.
0: Well, my name's not really Jam, so uh, yeah. That's kind of the issue here, but uh, we'll try to remind the folks and get them uh, get them reacquainted.
1: We're, we're making that your name. We've made that your name. That's, so. that's right. All right, so today we're jamming along to the Celtics, who are the second seed in the East. As this podcast is being consumed by you, the Boston Celtics stand alone as the second seed in the East by virtue of the Toronto Raptors losing to the Orlando Magic on Sunday night by one point, uh, and so they're now a half game behind. The Celtics have Detroit Monday and those Raptors on Wednesday, so this is a little bit of a battle. After all of the consternation, Sam, that everybody's freaking the hell out on Twitter after a losing streak, they actually made up ground, and now they won a couple of games, and boom, second seed. So, not so bad.
0: Well, it's it's not terrible, but if you want to see uh, some some more continued, more prolonged freakouts, I suggest following some of the uh, the Raptors fans because that's been entertaining. I've do, I've done more of that this year, kind of delving into other teams' fan bases on Twitter, and it's not just it's kind of like helps you uh, kind of feel better about your own fan base. It's not just <laughs> Celtics fans who are uh, absolutely crazy after their team loses a basketball game. Raptors fans are not pleased, especially with their defense right now and as they shouldn't be because they lost to the Orlando Magic and were basically unable to step or stop Jeff Green. Um, oh, why am I blanking on the point guard who hit all those three? Augustine. Games? Augustine, yeah, yeah, Augustine. Was, <laughs>
1: yeah. Jeff Green and DJ Augustine just destroyed you. Uh, yeah, after the game, Dwayne Casey just said, I'll, I'm looking for any five guys who will defend, just anybody, somebody, step up. It sounds so. quite
0: familiar. Yeah. The, the Celtics of uh, last week.
1: It is, uh, yeah, not uh, not unfamiliar for those of us around here. So, hey, we'll take it. They're struggling. The Celtics have gotten their uh, act together a, a little bit. Let's see if they can keep it rolling. Uh, also coming up on today's show, we're going to talk trade rumors because that's what everybody at this point, we are uh, less than a month from the trade deadline what's today the 29th we're recording on the 29th the de- the deadline's on february 23rd so it's weeks away now it's weeks away and so we're going to talk you know Vucevic has has come up uh people are asking on the on our twitter about other guys uh nurkic in in denver but let's just get this one out of the way let's get the carmelo stuff out of the way because that continues to be something that surfaces. And today in the Globe, uh, Gary Washburn suggested again that the Celtics are potentially going to be involved. And I'll just read directly from his piece in the Globe this morning, which could the Celtics become part of a Carmelo Anthony trade? If you haven't read it, check it out. But here's, here's the, the clip, the excerpt from it. Uh, While the Celtics management uh, told the Knicks they aren't interested in the nine-time All-Star, the Knicks are pushing to move Anthony, according to an NBA source, and they're intrigued by some of the Celtics players. A source indicated that Knicks president Phil Jackson has instructed management to move Anthony, who has a no-trade clause, but included the Celtics as one of the teams for whom he'd waive the clause. Boston could become part of a potential three-team deal that would send Anthony to another club, Perhaps the Clippers. So a couple of tidbits there. I didn't realize that Mello has included Boston as a team he would go to, which is interesting. And the Clippers thing is, I think, his best chance of of being moved. So I don't know. What do you what do you make of this? This is he, he's got the no trade clause. And I think at this point he might have a little thing out for Phil Jackson where sticking around in New York would piss Jackson off the most. And I think he wants to like, he's happy there. His wife is happy there. So I'm not going to waive my no trade clause. Screw you, Phil Jackson.
0: Yeah, no, I, my, my initial reaction would be that I, I do not want Carmelo Anthony to plea a member of the Boston Celtics. But, uh, the more desperate the kind of the situation gets, and it really feels like those two guys really cannot coexist. I feel like the asking price for Carmelo Anthony goes down uh and maybe the Celtics can grab him uh for a steal. I don't think they like really should be like giving up that much, but if it gets down low enough where you could do something like I don't know, like Kelly Olynyk in a in a pick or something, <laughs> sure why not, but it's like I just I don't know how desperate the Knicks really are to move him. The, the kind of being part of the three-way deal to for him to go to L.A. Uh, I guess makes more sense in theory, but I've been playing on the trade machine with that recently, and I don't know. There's no like deal that really makes sense for all three teams That's uh, that kind of steps back at you. So, like, the only benefit I could see is like you maybe get Paul Pierce back uh, in a Celtics uniform to end his career.
1: Yeah, that's, that's about it. We're talking about the scenario that's out there it really looks bad for the Knicks, and the Knicks shouldn't do. If we're looking at it strictly from the Knicks' perspective, and not from the Celtics fan pointing and laughing at the Knicks, eating our popcorn and watching this thing go down while we giggle like that, I I love watching the James Dolan led Knicks franchise just completely implode, and I love Phil Jackson stepping into the front office and completely screwing it up, but. If we're looking at it from a Knicks perspective, you've got Carmelo Anthony. First of all, he is under contract. Phil Jackson gave him this contract. So this isn't something that he inherited. Melo is owed $25 million this year, $26 million next year, and then twenty eight million the year after on a player option. So that is... A lot of money and tough to match, first of all. If you're going to move your superstar and you do get uh, the, if he does waive his no trade clause, you've got to get back something that helps your team. You've got to create some cap space or you got to get some picks. you got to get something that makes your team better or sets your, your team up for the future. We're talking about the Clippers, they're adamant about not trading Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, or DeAndre Jordan. Who if you're the Knicks, who else do you want on that team? Like there's nobody.
0: Austin Rivers for eleven million dollars a year.
1: That I see reports out there that Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers plus some filler or whatever would be the deal. Which makes such little sense, such little sense that I, I can't, I can't properly gather my thoughts to to talk about how stupid that is. So yeah, combined they make twenty four million dollars. Fine, that makes the numbers work. But Jamal Crawford is under contract for two more two more seasons after this one, but the 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 second season is non guaranteed, and then Austin Rivers is under contract next year for about $12 million. And then the third year is, um, I want to say, a team option. Um, Or maybe it's a player option. But anyway, are you so desperate to get rid of Carmelo Anthony that you'll take another year of Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers just to get him out of there? And you get no picks, nothing, the Clippers have a pick next year, and if you take their pick, it's going to be terrible because you've now added Carmelo Anthony for as much as I don't want him. You're still adding Carmelo Anthony to Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin. Like, they're going to be good. So their draft picks are worthless. The Celtics sure as hell aren't going to give up any draft picks. And where what do the Celtics get out of this? How do they facilitate anything? So maybe we get Paul Pierce back for one last run. As a, That doesn't... As sentimental as I am about that, that doesn't mean anything. That's that's just pure emotion. That that doesn't help us at all. So I don't see the these deals that are floating around out there. I just don't see it. I don't see the Celtics trading for Carmelo, and I don't see them facilitating a trade for Carmelo because anything that has been put out there makes zero sense for the Knicks. And if any of that happens, then Phil Jackson is got to go down as the worst front office guy in the league. That's just the worst decision you could make.
0: Yeah. The more you talk about it right now, is just, there's no, you're right. There's like nothing on the Clippers that the, the Knicks would really want. Like I can think of a possible deal involving the Celtics where they give, like, Amir Johnson and Jonas Drebko just so, like, and maybe the Celtics pick next year just so the Knicks can operate some cap space. But even that feels like you're selling incredibly low on Carmelo Anthony. And it's just kind of laughable at this point of, like, how much Phil Jackson has bungled the situation that he's even considering kind of just getting, what, would that be, like, 60 cents on the dollar of value? Mm -hmm. Uh which is just—it's fun from a Celtics fans' perspective. Like it's just fun watching. Uh, they went into four OTs this uh, tonight, and that was a
1: crazy game. game.
0: And just seeing like a uh, turtle from Entourage on Twitter just be so upset about it—it's just <laughs> fun. To watch.
1: Oh, God. I've heard him on podcasts. He actually follows the game pretty closely, but it's just so funny that he's, like, one of the Knicks super fans. Yeah, he's uh, a big
0: Derrick Rose fan, which shows you um, how yeah. rational he is about his Knicks fandom.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, look, even if the Celtics did decide, and Danny Ainge has reportedly said multiple times he does not want Carmelo. Now, Brad Stevens, you know, the in Brad we trust mantra – we could come up with ways that he could use Melo, but he's still he's he's getting older, and with the money that you're giving up, like for the Celtics to trade for uh, Carmelo Anthony, that that's the guy that becomes the guy that you're giving up all of this flexibility, this cap flexibility that you've you've mustered. That all goes away now because you're Amir Johnson and you're. Jonas Jerebko and all of that, like that combines, will easily get Carmelo Anthony. You could swing a deal for him, no problem, and give up almost nothing. But then that's your team. That that is it, and you're you're then adding. Maybe you're you're just going to go and add through the draft and, and and build that way, and then you add like. Ante Zizic and and Gershon Yabusele and and those become your bench guys that fill out the Amir Johnson and uh, Jerebko role. I mean that that's a, a viable option, but now you're saying that Isaiah, Horford, and and Anthony that's your big three. Those are your guys that you're going to war with, and that's going to be the team that you're going to have to try to get past Cleveland with. And depending on how everything else shakes out. That's tough. That I don't know if that's the team that can do it. And I don't know if that they could pull off the style of play that has worked for for us. Brad Stevens have to come up with some new new wrinkles, which I believe he could. But I don't know if that's exactly what we were thinking of when we say we need one more star. Is that is Carmelo Anthony the star to add alongside Isaiah and Horford? is he the guy that's going to help get the Celtics to the NBA finals?
0: I don't think it is primarily because offense is not the the issue that this team has right now. They're one of the better offensive teams in this league. Scoring points is not something that's going like they're in desperate need of and that's like kind of the one problem that Carmelo Anthony is the solution to. This team needs defense. You think of like the star that would really fit in here would be someone like Paul George or Jimmy Butler or DeMarcus Cousins, which if anyone wants some fascinating reads, you can read Kevin Arnovitz and ESPN talking about kind of the dysfunction that is the Kings organization. That made me kind of go back into DeMarcus Cousins' trade uh, dreamland, but that's a digression. Uh, the Celtics don't need a score like Carmelo Anthony. They need defense. If you go with that lineup, they're still going to be kind of the same exact, or not the same exact, but a similar team that's very good at scoring but lacks on the defensive end. Uh, I guess you could make an argument that maybe in like crunch time in the playoffs, as it slows down, you will need more kind of one-on-one shot creators, but I just don't think it really puts them over the edge uh, defensively where they need to be. So that's why, at the end of the day, I really don't think the Celtics are going to make a deal for Carmelo Anthony. It just doesn't doesn't make sense in terms of this season or, uh, as you said, for the future.
1: Yeah. So I I think, honestly, when February 24th rolls around, I really do think that Carmelo Anthony remains a Nick, and it's, it's really it's Phil Jackson's own fault. And I love just bagging on that guy because I, I just think he's uh, – I, I don't know. I just don't – I think he's kind of too full of himself. Like, yeah, we get you've won a lot of rings. Like, he's he's been one of the most successful coaches in the history of the NBA. But I, I think it's pretty easy to be that successful – when you've got the Jordan Pippen-era Bulls and the Kobe Shaq-era Lakers, like, you've worked... And I'm not taking away from his ability to manage all of that, but he has had the uh, advantage of some pretty damn good players. You know, four of the best players to ever play the game. (laughs) So, uh... I'm glad that he, he stepped into the front office and that it's all falling apart. And I'm so glad that it's the Knicks. And I'm so glad that it's James Dolan. And and who knows? Maybe, I don't know what that, that's going to mean for their future. Maybe someday Porzingis shakes free and the unicorn runs wild in the NBA and he becomes like the big sought-after free agent. But we'll see. I think the Knicks remain the Knicks. And... I, Look at their contract situations, man. They got some bad deals out there, man.
0: That NOAA <laughs> deal is just going to cripple them for the next
1: four uh, years. Oh, it is such a bad deal. I mean, he's he's what? Let me let me look this up here. He is being paid seventeen million dollars this year, and he's under contract for three more years after this, at seventeen and a half, eighteen and a half, and just over nineteen million. Holy shit! And they've got Courtney Lee, who is a decent player, but man, I didn't realize that he was making about twelve million dollars a year. He's under contract for three more years after this one. They get some long-term money tied up out there. Uh, whew, man, good luck with that, Phil Jackson. Okay, so let's let's look at some of these other things. Like, okay, Jimmy Butler. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. He's a guy. the The Bulls are a complete disaster. Right now, they although they just beat the the Sixers, they're they're just a mess. And the question with them is, how are they going to handle things? They're saying they're not going to buy out Rajon Rondo. They're they got to do something in Chicago to fix that mess. Dwayne Wade is uh, under contract for one more year for for the rest of this year. He's got a player option for next year. I can't imagine that he would turn down twenty four million dollars for next year. Like that's. He he doesn't deserve twenty four million dollars.
0: He might if they blow it up. But by just going to join LeBron in Cleveland for like a, a veteran salary. That's that's the only way I can see it is if they completely commit to blowing it up and trade Jimmy Butler for still you know, twenty four like
1: million man.
0: Each. He think of all the I guess he did take some pay cuts in the Miami days, but I think Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union combined have a have enough money to worry about. I know that's easy for me to say, but. Uh, I can't imagine him just like playing a season in a totally losing environment without any other talent around him.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I still I look at that and I'm that's twenty four million dollars. In the end, it's twenty four million dollars, and he's not going to go join the 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 Cavs for like two million or three million or whatever. Maybe the mid level, like that's no way, no way. So. Whatever like they're they're stuck now Rondo's gone, he's gone after this season. they're not going to pick up, but the question now is do they do they blow it up? Does chicago blow it up i'm a I'm a fan of of Butler I go and going for Butler like I would like to get that that's the type of player I would love to get. I think Butler, Isaiah and uh horford is is a nice a nice group and Butler's the type of guy that, you know, you would give up or I would give up a Jay Crowder for, you know, you throw Crowder and, you know, uh, a pick, you know, however the picks work out, whatever picks in there. uh, And then whatever filler, you know, maybe, maybe it's a Linux. Maybe it's a, I don't know, but that's a deal that I would, I would do. I would definitely do that for, for Butler. If he ever becomes available.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it would probably have to be, cr- like, you pick two out of, or the Bulls would probably have to pick two out of three, Crowder and Bradley or Smart, uh, just because I think Jimmy Butler's that good of a player. Uh, like, when you talk about picks, when you talk about the possible 2017 Nets pick, it's like, you hope you draft a player who turns as good as Jimmy Butler is. So I think it, if it comes down to it, the Celtics would most want to part ways with Avery Bradley, I think, because him and uh, Isaiah and Marcus Smart all have kind of contracts coming up, and he's the oldest of them all. And I feel like the the most dispensable. Smart has so much more potential, um, but I think if I'm the Bulls, I would probably want um, I would want Marcus Smart just because he is so young. Uh, and they don't really have uh, a point guard. But I think you'd have to give up Crowder and something, uh, another like solid rotation player, just because Jimmy Butler's amazing. Like He can really do it all on the offensive and defensive end, and we've seen him kind of dominate games like Isaiah has uh, this season. Uh, so them together uh, would be a, an incredibly lethal, uh, lethal duo.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm just going to start plugging things into the trade checker just to see. So Butler for... Crowder, like right now, uh, and then you do like if we want to say Marcus Smart, let's let's say we give them what they want, and it's Marcus. And then uh, let's see. The thing with the
0: Celtics contracts is like you have to throw Amir Johnson pretty much into every single deal for a star just because he's making twelve million dollars. And if you're trying to match salaries, it's like the one that makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, except that. It, if okay now if we did Crowder and Avery Bradley I think that would work because Bradley makes uh, makes some more makes more money yeah that works so just just money wise Butler for Crowder and Bradley works like and then from there you can build out the the remaining framework of of the trade you know picks and whatever but if those if those are the principles then the Bulls get two quality players for for the one, and you get some picks. And, you know, if they wanted to do something else like uh, get rid of some salary, uh, you know, do they have anybody on this team that they need to just ditch? No? They, Robin Lopez...
0: Taj Gibson is kind of old. I don't know. I'm a huge Robin Lopez fan uh, just because, one, I think he's an effective basketball player. And two, he's a huge Simpsons fan. And three, (laughs) he has a running beef with all mascots in the NBA, which is is funny to me.
1: Yeah. So, look, I'm looking at their salary situation. The only players that they have locked up beyond next season. So, okay, that's Wade. Uh, Rondo is gone. He's non guaranteed. They got Lopez. Gibson's expiring. Uh, Miritich and Carter Williams are both uh, restricted. They got Dougie McBuckets. And then, you know, then they got their rookies. Denzel Valentine, Jerry Grant, Portis. Those guys, so they're not in a a, a real tough spot where they need to jettison anything. So that's that's a deal I would do. Uh, But that, I don't know if that's even... Available, so we'll have to wait and see uh, if if they're going to be pushing for for something more. But
0: well, here's the big question: Would you give up this year's Nets pick to make that deal to at the deadline in a like oh, two weeks?
1: Man, that is so hard. I I I I might consider it. I I, I might consider it. Um, maybe. Look, if you're going for Butler and you got Jalen Brown and you've got other picks that you can make, maybe because you're trying to win now. And the guy that you draft, so you go into the draft, you draft whichever one of these players you want to draft, and then he sits on the bench, Like at at some point he's going to have to play. And if you draft one of the point guards, you're not going to go out and get Butler and... Horford and then what trade away Isaiah Thomas. So you can start a rookie point guard with those guys. What's the point? Like if you're going to get those guys, you're going to have make these trades and sign players like Horford, you're trying to win now. And so that precludes the ability to develop some of this young talent. I, I just don't know. I know that there's some potentially superstar talent out there. So it's hard for me to say, yes, I would absolutely do it because that potential is tantalizing. But at the same time, what good is drafting a player like that if you're not in the mode to help him grow and become a part of your future? So,
0: Yeah, it feels like there's two windows. There's the Isaiah and this core window. So if you're making a trade for them, why not go all in? Or there's the window kind of a surrounding – the kind of peak and growth of whatever this nets pick will turn into because we've seen some absolute superstars be drafted recently and uh Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis and in their young careers it hasn't directly led to playoff success immediately it's like a building process and i guess you could make the argument that if you put like an immediate superstar with Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford like Maybe the magic can align and just everything can come together. But I think it's rare. I think the younger players really need to, like, get through at least one, at least their rookie deal to kind of actually be, like, a superstar in the league that can can take you to the playoffs. So it feels like the two separate windows. So I'm kind of, I'm in the camp of if you can get someone like Jimmy Butler, go ahead and trade the pick. Like, that's why you made the pick. You have the assets to go out and get a superstar. He's a known quantity and you, you just kind of enter win-now mode. And I'd be all for it. I think it would be exciting. You're the second-place team in the East. Who knows? Kevin Love is uh, getting like some sort of back exam tomorrow. So maybe something messes up this year and you can make the finals. But it's, it, it feels like if, if you make that trade, it's going for it now in the, in the, the kind of closer window rather than waiting for whatever the pick turns into.
1: I'm gonna I'll present an alternate theory for keeping the pick. And okay, so let's say you do draft Fultz or or Alonzo Ball. Okay, let's just go with those. And in a butler trade, if you manage somehow to keep this year's pick and you draft one of those guys, you give up one of the, the guards you're in your log jam, so now you've got Isaiah and Smart Slash Bradley, one of those two guys. So they'll one one of them will start. Right? Like so it's if it's Isaiah and we keep Bradley, let's say, then Fultz could be the kind of in the Jalen Brown sort of role. And if he's good enough, maybe he can be some some level of contributor. And then, then, in two years, actually, Isaiah Thomas, is he's got one year left on his deal. You got Isaiah Thomas this year, Isaiah Thomas next year, and then maybe you move, Isaiah. Maybe maybe you got a two-year window with Butler and Horford and Thomas, and then after that, Thomas becomes expendable. You, you let him walk, maybe, and you hand it over to Fultz and say, you're a third-year player, time to make the leap. And now you've kind of done this kind of Frankenstein half- transition, half win now, half build for the future type of deal where this young, it's almost like the uh, Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre type of thing. You wait, you wait, you wait, and now you unleash this guy who's been a backup for way too long, and he becomes your star player. So just an alternate theory, a possibility for keeping a pick and drafting one of those point guards that is supposed to be so great the problem is you never know. Like and and I certainly don't watch enough to to make judgments about what kind of full NBA careers these are these guys are going to have. I know they're highly rated. I I've watched some of them, but like I'm not I'm not an NBA scout. Like I'm not uh, I'm not a college scout. So I don't know what the long term, but you never know. Like there, some of these sure things don't pan out sometimes. And sometimes a superstar just becomes a a good player. And is that worth the risk? So I personally, I've always skewed towards take the proven entity. And if you have to overpay a little bit and you give up that pick, so be it. Uh So I'm kind of, I kind of agree with you, but there are alternate theories and there are possibilities the way these contracts are structured. And when they expire, there's, there are options. There are options. Right, that's two, what- to-
0: that's what they've been trying to do, design it just a system so at every kind of decision point they have multiple options about how to move forward. And so they – it feels like they keep kind of punting the, the big decision till later and later. So eventually they're going to have to kind of pull the trigger on something. But it's, it's – you're right. The, the fact that they do have options kind of make it more, more fun to speculate because there are so many different paths they can go down.
1: Uh, let's give some shout-outs here to the people who tweeted with the hashtag Rain and Jays because we got oh, people are are asking trade questions. So let's go to Simon at Jovian Shadow, who at first tweeted me after I tweeted at the the Millsap line from today. He played like sixty one minutes and had an awesome line of like, uh, let's see if I can pull it up. He had like thirty. Yeah, thirty-seven points, nineteen rebounds, seven assists in sixty minutes of play in the quadruple overtime game. Uh, so he comes in, he, he runs in, trade for him, runs away, cackling. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think we're going to trade for Millsap. I really don't. Uh, we can go down that road if we want, but I think we've discussed that a little bit. That he's he's good, but now all of a sudden you you've recreated the Hawks. Now you've got. Millsap and Horford again as your front court, and I'm not, I'm not too interested. And it's interested unclear
0: in that. if the Hawks would want to deal them. Right now, they're kind of they're only a game and a half back of the Celtics. They're in the fourth place right now, so it's yeah, just, it seems odd for them to deal them at this point.
1: I wonder if they regret making that Corver move now, because
0: Korver well, wasn't the greatest, like. He was like – I think we're remembering Corver as the kind of the all-star guy from a couple years ago. But he's still thir- – Like he's a 35-year-old player who's not the greatest defensive um, yeah. person. And they really needed to open up time for their wings. They got, uh, I think, Ben Brian, Torian Prince down there. Um, so maybe it was just like kind of like they had a logjam situation. And they ended up getting a first-round pick for it. So maybe the Hawks are just savvier than, uh, than we thought.
1: Maybe, maybe. So he follows that up with serious question – the rumors of Nikola uh, Vucevic. V- Vucevic, Vucevic, Man, I... is it, v- I, uh, wait, no, I got a pronouncer here because I- I'm, I'm tired of butchering these Central European names. Vucevic, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. The rumors of interest in uh, Vucevic, likely, unlikely, good or bad. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Because he's another guy that we can get, absolutely. He makes uh, just under $12 million. So you could get him if he is truly available. And we're willing to give up some picks. Now, he's not a Brooklyn Nets pick kind of guy. But I would be willing to give up other picks for him. And the Celtics could go and, and make an offer uh, of... Yep, maybe like you can get Amir Johnson. You could do Amir Johnson for him straight up and that would that would work and they could Orlando could get out of that contract if they so are, are so inclined. Uh they got two more years after this one, so maybe if they want the space to do something, who knows? You could do something like uh Tyler Zeller and, and somebody else the problem again becomes: these are these are our cap space guys. These are the guys that if we're going to make a, a run, because one of the things that Danny Ainge wants to do is sign a big name free agent, if he can. Well, Amir Johnson and Tyler Zeller and Jonas Jerebko are are your guys to get rid of, so you can do that. I mean, that's twelve million for Johnson, eight million for Zeller, five million for Jerebko. There's twenty five million dollars right there freed up cap space. Boom. So I don't know if jeopardizing that is worth it. I guess the question is at what point does Danny Ainge come to some sort of realization about this summer and his ability to sign one of those big free agents or does this new collective bargaining agreement make that, so unlikely that he just scraps that part of the plan and then starts doing something like making a trade for Vrutovic and then filling the rest with the the rest of that cap space and getting another guy in that 12 million dollar range i don't know like that that's that's the tough call if if you want to if you want to get that free agent then no this, you can't make this deal but if you don't think you can then this might be something you look at
0: yeah, this is when it comes into play where you need to kind of to rely on your underground tampering markets to kind of know, well, if we do get to free agency, how likely is it that we could get someone like Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward? And if you think it's less likely, then cap space next year means a lot less. But it's also an incredibly difficult position because NBA players, you know, they have the right to change their mind. There could be DeAndre Jordan. They could just uh, – get kidnapped and uh have Mark Cuban driving around uh Houston or whatever. Or they could be Kevin <laughs> Kevin Durant. Like it seemed like if the Warriors had beat the Cavs last year, Kevin Durant might have been uh ended up with the Celtics. So who knows kind of as much as you can have kind of some knowledge of what the free agents intend to do in the off season, there's no guarantees. So it's a really, really difficult decision to make is like whether or not you kinda make a smaller deal like this for Vucevic and just completely punt on signing that big name free agent uh, or kind of wait out and just hope for more. Personally, uh, I'm kind of for making a trade, but I don't necessarily think making a trade for Vucevic is like the one. I I mean, he's a solid player. He's he's going to get you a bunch of rebounds. He's a pretty solid uh, guy who could knock down that, that 12-foot shot, but – I don't know – I don't think he's that great of a defensive player. And again, I still don't think he's the answer. I think he makes you marginally better but not so much so better that you're better than the Cavs. And by adding his – what is it? $12 million to the contract, I think that also limits – it definitely makes it so you can't sign a max player. But I think it also eats away uh, in kind of the – Probably like veterans you could bring in or like kind of minor guys you would want to bring in around a, a championship contender. or the other role players you'd get to replace a Jarebko or replace an Amir Johnson. So I don't think Vucevic is the guy, but I would be kind of open to kind of cutting into that mat, uh, the cap space if it was someone maybe on a rookie deal like uh, Nurkic or um, from Denver. Someone that's kind of on the cheap and gives you kind of more upside moving forward rather than someone who's kind of a little bit older.
1: Yeah, I mean look uh, Vucevic is He's going to be He's 26, just turned 26 So he's in his prime Uh, He, he, like you said He does a lot of these things He's not exactly a stretch big He's not shooting well enough To be considered that He'll he'll definitely take some threes But he's not mm, Not great at it He'll rebound, that's for sure His, uh his defensive rebounding percentage is at 30.2. The highest defensive rebounding percentage on the Boston Celtics, Kelly Alinek at 19.2. Ooh. So he immediately would come in and be our best rebounder by far. How surprising is it, by the way, that Alinek has the highest the defensive rebounding percentage on the team? Feels like it's a little off. And Avery Bradley, by the way, is second. At 18.6. Yeah, I would have
0: guessed Avery Bradley. So who knew about Olinic? I guess it's just he's always, you know, when he's on defense, he's always in the right position, and that includes for rebounding. <laughs>
1: um, so a Vucevic thing is interesting. I'm open to it. But, like you said, there might be better options.
0: Here's the thing. We were talking about it before with, like, the kind of two windows. If you're going to bring in a guy, you, uh, you want someone who could potentially contribute to the first window, but you would also want someone uh, who's young and you could re-sign and maybe is around for kind of the second window Who of whatever, possibly Markel Fultz, Zizic, Yabusole. Like, I feel like you don't want to make a trade for someone who's only a win now this season or next season mode. I just don't think that's like kind of the smartest decision-making moving forward. If you can get someone young on their rookie deal, I like the idea of Nurkic but I really don't know that much about him, other than he's the lesser than Eastern European center. Um, I know he had some, <laughs> like some pretty good like uh, numbers his rookie year, but the whole kind of Denver big situation has been messed up. Like they didn't realize that Jokic was their best player for a while, and the rotations have been weird. So I don't know if it's like Nurkic is like a real proven commodity, but a player of his like someone. Uh, Who's still young, still on that rookie deal, still in that first kind of uh, time of their contract, makes much more sense to the Celtics, in my opinion, than someone who's getting already paying more than ten million dollars a year.
1: So I want to give a shout out to at Kevin Joffon. I hope I said that right. Who tweeted the question: Would you trade for Nurkic or Vucevic? So uh, that's I, I. I like the idea of. Kind of like you said the uh the guy on the rookie deal because that that changes the the dynamic a lot to to trade for him. his salary right now is uh where are you on my lists two million dollars so that would make a much more complicated deal because they're gonna want i think more value if they they're not just going to give him up for nothing I don't think
0: well they're kind of so, in a similar position in the in the Celtics are is that they kind of have a lot of assets a lot of picks not many stars the like Celtics clearly have Horford and Isaiah but they really have they have Jokic I guess they kind of have Moody they kind of have projects at every single position where it's like it's unclear what exactly the Denver Nuggets needs are. So maybe they would be happy with some of those later picks, but you're right with the salaries being so low, it makes it more difficult because then you either have to give up someone else who's on a rookie deal or in, like entirely for kind of draft assets. And that always complicates things.
1: Yeah. So that makes the deal very difficult to put, to pull off because then you have to start adding things are, are they trying to get rid of any salary, because you can do – uh, you, know, you can give them a linic and he's – they could just not tender him an offer. Or maybe they could just keep a linic. Maybe they want somebody like that Uh if you don't think you can keep them, Or you can – look, if you wanted to and if they were in a just take him from off our hands, you, you can trade him for James Young. Like – but that's not going to happen that's not realistic so for a guy like nurkic then you have to start looking at what what is denver's goal do they are they trying to get rid of farid is that are they going to go in a different direction and do you have to take on farid's salary so if you do that then you might as well just trade for for Vucevic, because they make the same money. So, I don't know. I, that I. You have to look at what Denver's real motivations are. Um, and I don't know what their motivations are. If they, they have to clear some space, and if they want to tack on salary, then that becomes less appealing. Because then you've got a guy that's making a lot of money for a few years just sitting there or not playing as much as as you would want a guy who's making that money. If you're going to tie up that cap space, you might as well give it to a guy who's going to be a rotation player or somebody that uh, is, is a bigger contributor. Not to say that Fareed can't be, but I don't know that he's what the Celtics are looking for.
0: Yeah, the more I think about it, um, I just don't really think the Celtics are going to end up making a deal this year. Uh, Just because, I one, I don't think they want to, kind of the cap space issue, and two, they have these two players in Gershon Yabusele and Zizic. Like, they are those young kind of players on rookie deals who will probably or maybe be coming to the team next year. They're already kind of in the system, so it feels like there's not a lot of demand for the Celtics to go out and get like an established veteran because they don't want to pay him. And there's not a lot of demand to go out and get kind of younger players because they have them in the system already. Don't forget uh, Abdel Nader up there killing it in Maine. So it seems like I I would imagine the Celtics are going to stand pat this year. They already are the second seed in the East right now, moving forward, and they kind of have a good thing. And there's nothing, there's no clear kind of smaller trade out there that kind of does like the perfect thing for them. And Danny Ainge. I feel like that's his mo. Is he's waiting out for like that big deal that's going to put them over the edge. He's not just going to do something to make his team marginally better. He's really aiming for the stars. So, it's it's kind of it's good to talk about. It. It's entertaining to talk about. But in the end, I think we're as much to do about nothing. And Danny Angels will just move forward. He's going to explore every option, but I don't think he's going to pull the trigger on any of these smaller deals just just to do so.
1: I, I think that's the conclusion as we get to the the end of the show. It's that these deals sound fine. They address, every one of these can address a need. Like, you can give up an expiring contract. You can tack on some picks. You can find a way to get any one of these players, I think. With the exception of, I don't know, like assuming they're all available, There's a way to get basically any one of these players. But is that really the move that works? Aside from Jimmy Butler, I question uh, how much any of this stuff helps the, the Boston Celtics. Going back to Carmelo Anthony, like you said, offense, great, but we don't need offensive help right now. We need defensive help. And adding him to the mix... Next year, even if we add some of these other guys, I don't think that that's really going to be the answer. It'll make us a hell of an offensive team, but we're still in that same boat. And I just, I'm not a fan of Carmelo Anthony and his style of play. So, fine. Um, and all of these other little deals, I really do think it, it really depends on what Danny Ainge sees in this new collective bargaining agreement and the landscape. And things always change when there's a new collective bargaining agreement. There's always little wrinkles that we haven't figured out yet. We don't know the the different ways to take advantage of what's out there. Like Danny Ainge and in the Celtics front office did a great job of structuring all of these deals with non-guaranteed money. And they've done a ton of those deals. They have, like the Tyler Zeller deal where they have flexibility to trade a guy and he can get cut by his other the, the other team and that is essentially an expiring contract. I don't think you can do that anymore. So until they figure out how to game that system, then we're going to have to wait and see what what that move is. But I'm with you. I don't think the Celtics make a move at the deadline. I really don't. And I think we have to prepare ourselves mentally for a trade deadline that doesn't provide anything big, doesn't provide any relief, doesn't provide any rebounding. We're going to have to roll with what we have. And the only thing I got to say to fans is this year was never the finished product. And there's no point in fixing a problem like rebounding on this team. If that is going to be a temporary fix and that jeopardizes the rest of the plan so i think we're settling in the same place yeah all right
0: i just want one message um for our friend Jay king stuck at the airport is that uh when you get to logan tomorrow and there's a bunch of people there they're not there for you don't let it go to your head
1: (laughs) yeah well you know he could pretend you can just like close your eyes. You can put the headphones on, and like do that little slow motion walk in your mind, and just be like, "Yeah, Jay King, Jay King." <laughs> <laughs> That's a mess. Let's uh, let's just leave that one alone. All right, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Remember, subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, please, you could. It's as simple as following us on Twitter, with following the the Rain and Jay's Twitter account or following me, or Sam, or Jay. If you don't do any of that stuff, do that too, because we're tweeting those out. But if you subscribe, it'll just come right to your phone. So whatever time of day, wherever you are in the country, in the world, you'll get it as soon as we post it. Uh, and if you love the show, which I don't see how you could not love the show, rate us five stars. Show us the love and help spread the word. So fun show. Fun show. Next up for the Celtics, the Detroit Pistons. So we'll be back after that game to hopefully talk about another win and the second seed Celtics marching on and, and towards a, a big matchup this Wednesday with the Toronto Raptors. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.